film and television. Merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Hello, loves. It's Mo. So I'm really happy to be joined today by Nicole LaVince, and I want to tell you a little bit of the reason why. First of all, she's an amazing human being. She's so cool-spirited. She has an excellent energy about her. She is an actress. She is a vocalist. She is a songwriter. She is a producer. She is a director. She is a casting director. Um, she's a podcaster, and she is a self-care guru, and I absolutely love how multifaceted she is. Just a little bit of thanks to her to joining me today. I'm so excited, but I say that every week, so you know that. So, Miss Nicole, can you tell us what we are talking about today? Cruel Intentions. Yes! So sexy. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So tell me why you chose Cruel Intentions. Why you, why do you love it? I am obsessed and I was obsessed. This was like me coming into like my teen years. Like, I feel like I was like, I'm going to feel, I did the math before we got on because I wanted to make sure I was like, I want to say like 11 or 12, I think more like 12 mm -hmm. when this came out. So like hitting my preteen years, starting to like, you know, my sexuality and all those things are starting to like, like come online, like crossing mm -hmm. over from like child to like young, young woman preteen. And I just remember feeling like, oh my God, they're like talking about sex and like drugs and like all these things and there's all so pretty and it just it was just like all the things and then also it was just like a lot of like teen drama and I was starting to like experience that in my life with like girls being catty about guys or yeah. guys like starting to behave badly like the bad boy type and I had an affinity as most <laughs> didn't we all <laughs> so, it was speaking my language and it, it had all the things but also like Sarah Michelle Geller's character, Catherine was like this powerhouse. She ran the mm -hmm. school, right? Yeah. She was the one in charge. And she like on the surface, it was like, everyone thought she was like this goody two shoes, but behind closed doors, she was like this vixen who was like running all these guys and these little boys, like giving them their whole lives. Mm -hmm. But she was also a bit of a B-I-T-C-H. Yeah, you can well. be you can be grown on this podcast. It's fine. Yes. Okay, cool. She's a bit of a bitch. <laughs> you said children when we opened up, so I wasn't sure. No, I wasn't no, sure. No, 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 no. And it's funny because I just remember, and I remember a lot of parts because I haven't seen this movie in quite a long time. But I remember, didn't she used to have like, <laughs> didn't she have like a necklace full of like cocaine? Or yes. Oh, and that was also the thing. I didn't realize that that's what it was. So I really right? watched it as an adult. I didn't know that's what she was doing in the whole movie. I'm like, what is she put up? I'm like, is that aspirin? Like, what is she putting up her nose? Who knows? <laughs> but it's, oh, yeah. a, it's such a good film though. And really, I mean, this is, this film, not just Cruel Intentions, but the story has had so many incantations because it's been Valmont, it's been Dangerous Liaisons, it's been a bunch of other operas and plays. But I think 
with setting this in the modern time, quote unquote, gives us a real insight to how things really haven't changed. Like those games are still at play, whether it be among the like affluent or people are still playing games with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's still this like Madonna horror complex that's out there that kind of runs the entire film. So why was it so formative for you? I, in particular, like I really resonated with like Reese Witherspoon's character. Like mm -hmm. I was always like the cute, quirky one. Like I was raised to be like good girl. Like, you know, I have very every intention of like keeping my virginity and like, but I really liked the bad boys that never like paid me any attention. And so like, I just like, and also like her father was like the headmaster and my dad was in academia. He was high up in um, academia at universities in New Orleans. And so mm -hmm. I just resonated a lot with that character. I attended like preppy, like um, middle schools. I was about to attend a very preppy, like Catholic all girl high school. Mm -hmm. So it was like my world like on camera different skin color but it was like you know <laughs> it was much. it was yes very much but it was like I felt a lot of like synchronicity to that mm -hmm. and then they also had like a lot of money I think like for me there was like this fantasy around like what I wanted my like high school years to be about like I wanted to drive a cool fancy car and like go to all the like cool parties and like so it was like an element of like fantasy around like what high school was going to be like because this was me in middle school so it was like kind of setting the tone and I've always just loved like teen dramas like I was a big like it's the CW now but it was the WB when I was like a little preteen and teen when all when they were doing the shows they still do the same thing yeah as CW <laughs> you know it's still their their demo obviously mm -hmm. but like I was watching like Savannah and Melrose Place you know, but yep. those, they were all adults doing that. This was like a movie with teens being adults, essentially, like having yes. very adult behavior, right? 100%. <laughs> and so like, it just resonated with like the undergroundness of like, of the, like this, like the preteen high school experience. Cause I felt like a lot of what was coming out in the late nineties too was very bubblegum pop, like bright colors. And this was darker. Um, even with like the cinematography, like it was just like a darker take on like what we were going through versus like, this is so fun and cute with these poppy colors. It was just- right. It wasn't like clueless. It was exactly more dramatic. And then from my recollection, I think that was the first time I may have seen like teens, like having like hot sex mm -hmm. on camera, because also there was this element of me coming into like my femininity as a young woman and sexuality. And it was so full of like sex and not like raunchy sex, but like sexy sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Because there, there is a fine line and you, you have, you know, if you take it from, you know, that there was always a really like gratuitous sex scene in like the really early like 70s 80s horror movies and it would be like wham bam thank you ma'am and then it's over but this was like very sensual and I feel like that was something that was a little like verboten for young girls to be like wait I can have like that kind of sex in my life that's weird and you know some of us didn't get it didn't have that type of romanticism built into it because that really that picture wasn't afforded to us very early it was just 
the kind of slammy sex that's supposed to be like for teens that are just fumbling and they really don't know what they're doing. Um, so it was nice to see that captured on screen. Yeah, that's still one of those scene between Ryan and uh, Reese. Yeah, when they, when when they have when they do have sex, it's still one of my favorite sex scenes of all time on on cinema and even mm -hmm. the song that they chose was just like it was a whole vibe the candles are in the background and they're like sweaty and they're on this nice bed and I'm just like oh that's what it's supposed to be which no again, you know, that's not that was not how my first time went girl listen <laughs> that's what but that's what I thought it was going to be like you know what I mean like that kind of set the tone which was the, which is the other thing of what movies tend to do to us right it's a movie right it's not real life so all of these things are like set up in this very rico suave young man most young boys that age don't really know what they're doing in that way that's just not mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just even if they are experienced not that level of experience it's very like on the level of like whoredom not like I'm gonna woo you right and, like make this an experience <laughs> it's very pedestrian <laughs> for lack of a better term it's very pedestrian yeah um, because a lot of I mean, at least when I was in high school even like middle school into where people like around me were like quote like they were doing stuff and you know it was getting into high school and people were having sex and it was people like the boys my age were watching porn so it was like that's where they're getting like their best <laughs> moves from which is like bless you you sweet summer child this is not going to work no <laughs> this is not what I feel like being involved in at the present hour so when you see something like their love scene and I feel like you can call it a love scene in, yeah. in tandem with a sex scene because it is very set up and it all is very fantastical and it's like tea light burning in the corner and some rose petals and like, you know, like it's, it's very romantic and it's something that we aspire to have even as women, we want that type of romanticism and the fact that, you know, she's getting it from someone who is quite the Lothario and knows exactly how to play this um, is interesting. Yeah. And even just like the fact that it was her first time, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? I feel, I just remember being a young girl, still virginity intact and just thinking like knowing like my experience was going to be synonymous to something of that nature. Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. I feel like we all fell for the trap, right? For me, like I was like, I'm not having sex till I'm married. <laughs> and exactly. then, then that lasted all about 20 seconds the first time somebody touched me in the pants and that was it. And that was like, it was a done deal for me. And I felt so bad that I caved, but it yeah. was just like, that's the, we're so quick to like want that with somebody and watching that be, it's as young girls, we were just duped into so much. I mean, even into wanting the bad boy, right? Like <laughs> the, the guy that treated you the worst was the guy you wanted the most, which is such a mind fuck, right? <laughs> Beyond. And again, it was one of those stories too, like of, of the mind fuck of like, I'm gonna like change this guy because like mm -hmm. I was her, I was like the quirky one. I think about the car scene when she's like making all the silly faces and he finally laughs. And it's like the moment you can tell that was the moment like he really fell in love. It wasn't like a game anymore. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, oh, like that's how you win a guy over. I just be my quirky fun self. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Not 
Exactly. So is there anything, any formative scene? Like I said, there's, there's so much that we've gone through already just talking about how much it meant to you and like what you were striving for and that mix of like where you were in life and what this was showing you could be a possibility in the years coming for you. Is there any time where you felt that it was too unrealistic for what your life was? I think the level of money that they all clearly had was not like the level of, like, we were okay. Like, I feel like we were definitely like middle-class, like upper, like middle-class mm-hmm. um, affluent family, but they were clearly like upper East side, like, yeah. you know what I'm like, balling. <laughs> you know, like Sebastian was driving around in this like two seater rare, whatever car at like 16 or 15 or whatever age it was supposed yeah, right? to be and, like, and they had drivers and doormen and like people opening the doors and stuff like on a daily, these hugely overly decorated like bedrooms, like all of their bedrooms were massive, massive bedrooms. And she's massive. pulling out all this jewelry on her dresser. Like, girl, fuck you. <laughs> like, I was so mad. Oh, pissed. <laughs> upset. I was like, I'm never going to see that in my whole life. Like, but yo, if we take through these characters, like you have Sebastian, you have Catherine, who are the premise of the movie is for them to basically like take the virginity of Annette, like who can mm-hmm. do it first. And the dynamic between those two, <laughs> take me into how you felt about the dynamic between Sebastian and Catherine. It was so taboo. It was like, you know, some, I don't know what it is. Something about it was very steamy. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, they're step siblings, but they're not really related for real. Mm-hmm. And it was and for me, it was like because I was the first person in my family whose parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being like the first movie that I saw with like divorced kids being like at the forefront. Like that was like the beginning of that happening. Cause our generation was kind of where it just like exploded. It became the mm-hmm. normal. And so like, I thought that was cool because I remember that being the first time I can recall at least sticking in my brain that there was like these two lead characters and they were coming from like divorced homes and their parents had like remarried each other. Mm -hmm. So that was like striking to me because that was relatable because I was going through that experience and both of my parents were like dating other people at the time. My dad was like in a very serious relationship so like I was I felt like I was navigating like the same world of like going into like blended family but they were real sadistic like the games they just like played it was like they had met each other's match it was a really like I didn't understand it then but like being an adult especially in spirituality like the masculine and the feminine energy Mm -hmm. so represented between the two of them and like that constant battle of balance and the exchange of energy that happens between the masculine and the feminine and like how the masculine and the feminine approaches problems and joy and sex and pleasure. And I think like their characters kind of like really for me, like represented like the masculine and the feminine energy. And they were just really like fun to watch. Like one of my favorite scenes of all time, like existence, both of them exist in this movie. (laughs) It's like that scene between the two of them. You know what I'm talking about? Where she's Mm -hmm. like seducing Sebastian on the chase lounge. And I feel like that was the first time I remember being like, oh, women can actually seduce, be the seducer. Yeah. I don't like recall really knowing that that was like, okay. That a woman could, I always thought before that like, oh, like, 
guys have to seduce like I have to wait to be pursued like if I like a guy like I can't like be the pursuer that's not gonna look good and so I loved how like she would pursue him but then drive back it was like very cat and mouse like she Mm -hmm. just running the show and she knew really stood out to me about Catherine and especially the relationship between the two of them she knew that he had a thing for her and she used that to her advantage. Yeah. And I've always had such a respect and, and slight jealousy for women who know how to use their sexuality in that way. Cause I feel like I never got the memo. <laughs> <laughs> not a fax, not an email, nothing. <laughs> I never got the memo. It missed her honey, especially in middle school and high school. It didn't catch me at all. <laughs> all okay i missed it i missed the meeting man and and it's interesting because we went through those flux of as women of color going through and discovering like our sexuality is always different than everybody else's when you look at the way society looks at girls of young girls of color and those who are not we are always faster we're, we're too fast. We're considered women very early. We're considered that we have already had a few sexual partners. We're always the ones that are going to have children first or get pregnant first. And I think it's so interesting when you say like, I am not a person who in that age was using my sexuality to my advantage or was learning to or understood. So I think it's so funny to to hear and not funny haha but like it's interesting to hear that considering how society views young girls of color does that make yes. sense <laughs> absolutely absolutely and it's something that I feel like I still carry and in and it's on some level like struggle with you know yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm still not really comfortable in my own sexuality or being sexy it's mm-hmm. very weird to me it's just it's still something that I aspire to like master it's just I don't know it's like and I I think there's it's so rooted in like what you said too about like how we are seen Mm -hmm. and considered and then what we're also taught in the home like you know I had a father in the home and he just was not playing it like I was (laughs) terrified that something would come out or something would happen and like that still didn't stop me from losing my virginity at what I feel like it was really young age and so it's like this level of like needing and wanting to be desired Mm -hmm. but not even really understanding like what that means like there was no one around to like have that conversation and like my mother and fathers, no shade to them. They did the best that they had or what they could because like sure. their generation definitely wasn't having that conversation. No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> not. Not in the black community. We definitely was not. You know, you was like, go to church, keep your legs closed, don't bring me no babies. You're going to hell, that kind of conversation. <laughs> that was the talk. And that was the talk. And <laughs> what? You know, like. There's no part two. <laughs> And you're, and you're out here trying to navigate, you know, yeah. you're feeling how you feel because you're a young adult. Those feelings are coming online. Your body is doing the thing. Mm-hmm. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. You, it's biology. It's happening. And there's just no place for us to kind of really experience like the desire of what comes with like coming into being a young adult. Like we have urges and strong desires, probably the strongest they will ever be you know, Mm -hmm. in our lifetime, because they're just coming online. And so 
I, I don't know. I just felt like through her, like I just felt such joy and like being like, there's a part of me that wanted to be that. Yeah. And like, we, we are so unprepared is like, we have the videos that, you know, we watch in like sixth or seventh grade. And it's like, this is what happens to your particular body and boys, this is what happens to your particular body, but we don't really go any further than that. And we assume, you know, we assume the heterosexuality of, of children very early um, which I also think is pretty damaging, but we also don't prepare them for the fact that your chemistry inside is doing the damn thing and you're going to be really confused as to what's happening. And it's it's okay to want to be desired and desire other people, but no one gives us, okay, here's what comes next after you either fulfill the desire or you act on the desire. This is what comes next or what you should maybe do or think about, or this was what you might feel. Like we just kind of, understand kids are going to think about sex and they might have sex just don't get AIDS or an STD or get pregnant full stop and there's nothing that comes after nothing. that and no one's having the emotional like conversation that needs to be attached to that like yeah. for me it was really it was traumatic mm-hmm. losing my virginity I didn't know it was painful like as fuck yeah yeah I didn't <laughs> No, I had no like earthly clue mm-hmm. that I was going to experience like that level of pain. Mm-hmm. I also didn't know anything about Kundalingus until it was happening to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I found out about that in real time, live time. <laughs> Today, years old. <laughs> and like, you know, like, I guess I had some awareness of like, oh like if you like I don't the story is like if you like act like a hoe like you're gonna get treated like a hoe kind of like thing Mm -hmm. in my mind I was not this is my first time so how could I ever be treated as such and I felt like because of where my expectations were around Mm -hmm. what that experience was supposed to be and what it meant and what I had been conditioned to believe that it would mean I thought we're gonna lay there and talk and like that meant he was gonna be like my boyfriend immediately and like it was an instant world shattering moment from the moment that it ended after and it was you know I I experienced like some level of like what happened to cool intentions like when you know when they kind of messed over Zelma Blair's character like when Mm -hmm. she was screwing around with with uh I forgot the other character's name Zelma Blair the guy that she liked and like, you know, I had one of my really good friends who's my best friend at the time, like started sleeping and dating mm-hmm. the guy that I lost my virginity to that I was still very much like head over heels for because, mm-hmm. you know, in the my connection, brain, yeah, connection and our whole friend group knew and no one told me. And I felt like I was like the laughing stock, like everybody knew, mm-hmm. everybody. And so like the emotional toll that that took on my mental stability and, and like how I viewed relationships with other women, opening myself up to like trust and date somebody again. It was yeah. just, and not being able to talk to my parents because God forbid. Right. You know what I mean? Like there you was- You were supposed to keep your legs closed. You know? And I was the only child. So I didn't have any older siblings and all my cousins. I was yeah. the eldest grandchild. So everybody behind me was younger. I was the first. I had nobody. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like this really shitty 
culture. I feel like it's a little better now because I watch my friends raising their preteen children and they're having the conversations and they're being way more open. So I'm happy that we are moving in that direction because I feel like at least so many of our generation, we were traumatized coming out of that. Like it's just like, you know, and there's so much sex all around us now versus Mm -hmm. like our parents' generation where it wasn't. You know, they're Mm -hmm. still coming out of watching TV when they were children when like, you know, the married couple had beds separated. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about like, I love Lucy. That was the first TV show to put beds together. <laughs> like beds together. And then, well, when she got pregnant, they yes. would not call her pregnant. They had to say that in French or something like that. And it was just so weird because it was still so taboo. Yeah. That, that was a real thing that people were having. But I feel you when, especially with the trauma of it all, because I feel like out of my friend group, I was still in high school, but out of my friend group, I was the last one to, to lose my virginity. So everybody had already been talking about it for a good, like two years, year and a half mm-hmm. about this, then the other thing and had already subsequently slept with multiple people <laughs> since then. And we're, you know, they were living their lives. And for me, it was very traumatic because it was somebody that I was dating, but it was very painful. And it was literally the most boring thing I've ever experienced in my <laughs> life. <laughs> I would name and shame, but I feel like he's probably fallen on hard times. And he doesn't need the extra bear, but he, um, like it was just boring. It was boring to me. And I was very disappointed because I was like, if this is the hype, like it's lost on me. Like I, this is not something. And it's, you know, obviously as you grow, you start to learn like what you like and ask for what you like when you're Mm -hmm. older, but it was like, I literally, and he had TV on in his room. And I remember I watched most of an episode of Charles in charge and that was that was my first time experience and it was like so disappointing because you get so excited like I'm gonna lose my v card and this is amazing mm-hmm. and you romanticize the idea and when it's not what we see in movies with like the beautiful bedroom and the music and the candles and it, it's so disappointing <laughs> so disappointing yeah. it really is it really Beyond. is But I, especially when we talked about Catherine and Sebastian, talk to me about Catherine's kiss with Cecile, because that is always what people remember out of this movie. And that was a really like interesting moment for me, a heterosexual woman, but being like, oh, I can find that interesting too. And I can, I can like that too and be okay with it. I'm so happy you brought that up because obviously that is like the most <laughs> talked about scene yeah. in that movie. And we're talking about late 90s, you know, mm-hmm. we weren't really seeing girls kiss on camera like that. And at this point in time, we're talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was a huge star at this point in time. So was Ryan Phillippe. Reese Witherspoon was coming into it. And so like to see these very like teen dream kids in like doing like like this bad behavior this dark side was yeah intriguing and like one it it called up a couple of things for me it was it was also like I did have a visceral reaction because I found it to be sexy and hot yeah Yeah. and like I also consider myself to be very heterosexual as well Mm -hmm. and so like I I don't know it it intrigued me of like oh that's also possible of like because it didn't go any further you didn't see them you know engage with each other outside of that was very much like oh we're gonna like practice practice kissing and I was like well do girls actually (laughs) that was like it was a lot of things (laughs) in my head I'm like is this a thing that like girls are actually doing because at least for me I know and like I grew up in the deep south New Orleans 
that was not what was happening. And so, or talk about it or any of it, you're going to be super ostracized, like if that's happening, unfortunately so. And I just was like, oh, like that is also available. So it was just kind of like a little spidey sense that just kind of like went up as a note in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, it was enjoyable. It was fun. It was refreshing to see. It was like tintillating and like, yeah, uh, yeah like it was like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's like a, a hot, interesting like moment, you know, but also knowing the movie and like Catherine's like behavior, it's very calculated. Like everything that she does, it's like, she was so in tune with her own sexuality. Right, little mix. Like, yes. <laughs> I think that was like the coolest part because you didn't yeah like you didn't like attach it to like oh like she's into Cecile it didn't read as that it was just like she's like grooming her for trust <laughs> like yeah she's like you know what I mean and it was mm-hmm. just like that's what stood out to me is like this just this bitch is like a boss like she just really knows who she is to be that self-aware is insane yeah. And I also connected to, to Cecile because I feel like I would have been more of like the, like Cecile, like just deer headlights, not really knowing what the hell is happening, like yeah. super overly, like innocent. And so that person comes in your world and completely rocks it to the core. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Catherine <laughs> did, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like, I, it, it, I related to both. I loved it on so many levels because it was just like this moment I had never seen before that was also really hot and sexy to me as well. And I had never really thought about girls in that way. And so that was like intriguing to like come online to that. And mm-hmm. then just seeing these two dynamically different women like navigate this like one moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, you approached it from two different worlds yeah 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 was really like interesting and even Cecile's dialogue after the kiss is like cool (laughs) (laughs) I know you know what I mean exactly (laughs) cool a little spittle string yes (laughs) so great and that's what I also loved about it too because cinematically up until that point like everything was really perfect and I just remember thinking like oh that's like clearly they didn't intend for that spit to happen but that was the take that they chose and I thought that that was interesting again adding to the dark side and the grittiness that this movie was for that time Mm -hmm. because everything was so perfect usually and so just those little like nuances and then obviously the MTV awards that year and like yeah like, they did the kiss all over again you know <laughs> and then we saw it over and over again in culture like Britney Spears and Madonna doing it yep. Aguilera like not another team movie like makes fun of it we constantly see that, that one was gross. it was disgusting <laughs> so disgusting the spittle string was so thick it was <laughs> like lady in the tramp spaghetti mouth awful <laughs> awful and so it was just, it was, it was fun to see. It was fun to like, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. And it's <laughs> interesting about when we talk about like those kind of scenes and we, we empathize with these people, we're trying to understand like the sexual dynamics that are there. I mean, we, I think it was like later that year, that same year that like wild things came out. So it was about like mm. teen sexuality and people being okay with it and and how we can be the pursuant and how we can be manipulative. And, and I think that 
this with this movie yes Catherine's character is playing a really dangerous game and she's she's out there to win and she's definitely using her power as much as she can but I think that with do you feel where this movie gave you more of a peek into your own sexuality and do you feel like in turn that it kind of showcased women maybe being overtly manipulative because I feel like media really likes to paint that a lot Mm, for sure I feel like this was like one of those movies that I love because it spoke to my sexuality like it came out at an age where my my sexual senses were like coming online and Mm -hmm. so to like and it was teenager other teenagers that we were like seeing in in a very like you know fanatical but also real scenario in a lot of cases like the fanatical parts is like they've got all this money and then it's like obviously being shot and it's set up to be very pretty and and like your teen years is like yeah it's all that but it's also really like funky and awkward and like weird and wild and messy (laughs) messy it's really very messy and Mm. I just I I enjoyed because it's like this perfect picture of like I think the fantasy Mm. that we have at that age of like who we desire to be like those different characters like who doesn't want to be the girl the queen bee ruling the school with all this money power and access right who's got Mm -hmm. all the guys like running behind her but then who also doesn't want to be the sweet innocent one that like really her parents adore and it's like really smart and like (laughs) like and everyone loves her because of that and like who doesn't want the hot boyfriend with the cool freaking race car that's the bad boy that somehow my love has tamed him yeah (laughs) like Uh, now he's that's the fantasy for real you know (laughs) you know you know that is the bill of goods we have been (laughs) and so it just resonates on so many levels to like the experience and this is why I just love teen movies and teen content I still do it's Mm -hmm. my favorite thing to indulge in and I'm so happy I still look very young so I can like still play in these roles because it's my favorite genre I just feel so connected to that period in my life and I know that I feel like I always will it was just so loud for me and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's an experience that is often like underrated like it's so pushed down as if like oh teenager you don't really know anything but it's like you're like coming online to so much at that point in your life but then you also have these um, you're you're so immensely free you have such a there's such an infinite realm of possibility in front of you but you and you don't really understand that you don't really get it until you're older and so it's just this magical like unicorn moment in your life Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us like miss the magic yeah yeah because we're too busy looking at at something else than to cherish that time that we have I mean that's why we have what these high school reunions incessantly yes no but if I really cared about the golden years exactly if I really cared about what you were doing I would look you up um but (laughs) I mean that's kind of the gag right it's like we haven't talked for a reason um but I feel like in this film because we've covered so much and this has been such such a cool conversation is there anything in this movie that you wish did not happen or you wish they had done differently? Yes. I don't like that Sebastian died. I feel like that was too overdramatic. Really? really? <laughs> wasn't really. necessary at all. Wasn't that? Yo, it was not necessary. I was hot. 
I was not, I was not here for it. It did make for like a good ending to like give Catherine like her, like her comeuppance, right? I love mm-hmm. the, the karma play out. But I just was like, I just felt like that was like the only unrealistic, very dramatic part. Although, but here's the deal also to that point most teens will deal with like another teen tragic death at that age. I know mm-hmm. I certainly did. So I, I, too, yeah. I get it. That, so like have that like in there um, because it's something that we also experience. I feel like they hit a lot of like just the moments that teenagers typically like experience in death of a, like a, like a peer mm-hmm. at that age hits very different. Yeah. Um, than when you're older, it, it mm-hmm. hits really, really different. So I enjoy it for that, but I also cannot stand it. I'm just like, you want the, <laughs> you want the happily ever after. Yeah. Like you like want him and 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 um um drawing a blank, Annette yeah. to like be together. Like, especially after he like has found his like, you know, got his life together and like wants to do this thing with her and like she's finally got her guy and they're in love, and then like he like dies. <laughs> But and, like, I was I was watching that. <laughs> right. And what I thought was real wild was that first of all, how she ended up with his car. Cause he wouldn't have wrote no will at that like point in his life. Like, and no parents would have given that child his car. That fucking car. So, and <laughs> unrealistic. That was stupid and silly. And just for the dramatics with like his journal in like the passenger seat. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Like I needed I needed a pre-scene or something where it was like a note from the parents. Like, we know you missed him. Borrow it for the weekend. Something. Give <laughs> they me made, the car. You know, they just made it seem like he like gifted her the car because he like passed away. And it's like, but he didn't know he was gonna die. Like how she ended up in this car. But oh, again, no. one of those <laughs> things for speculation. Why let I the guess. rules get in the middle of a good story? <laughs> yes. So like that was those are the two yeah. moments where I just was like really, <laughs> and then I've got some favorite things too if I can share that I yeah just yeah yeah love. let me know what your favorite scenes are I love that that Sebastian was like a journaler like especially at this point yeah. in my life how huge journaling is for me oh yeah and I also feel like you don't see that a lot with and I might be wrong at least for me in my experience I've not seen that a lot with men or like yeah. even teen teen men and I love that they 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 showcase this like very popular teen boy like mm-hmm. processing his feelings in these relationships in this like this journal and it's mm-hmm. also like a cool book I don't know if you guys remember what cool books are yeah <laughs> you know what I mean when you've got like all the people and the you know the things and the ratings and yeah yeah I just love that he was just like even though on the surface it seems like he was being like this cool manipulative guy mm-hmm. it's really like these it's like a, almost you can tell through his journaling is like his his desire to understand people. Yeah. And I thought that was just like a really cool, like lovely element in touch. Um, Catherine's clothes was just everything. Uh, yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like her clothes, just, her jewelry. Just- yes. Her hairstyles, the makeup, it was just the life it was giving me. I actually wrote some things down. So I was like, I don't want to leave this out. Yeah, the, yeah. Mu- the music, <laughs> like the soundtrack. Yeah. Of Super this good. Movie. Like Bittersweet Symphony. Very, very good. It's like, good. 
I liked it. Like teen experience, like you can't describe it any better. Bittersweet symphony. <laughs> like, it's just especially because he did too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's Jesus. Dead. He's dead. So good. I think that might have been like, yeah, I think I hit all the, oh, and the necklace. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once I did realize what that was, I was like, oh, that is like the coolest thing. It's like in this very cool, chunky piece of jewelry. I like functional things. So sorry for for our our um, anti-drug people. I don't want to be promoting drugs that give people habits and all of the things. However, I am just, I like, convenient functional cute little things like that <laughs> that are multi-purposes <laughs> and I was here for it yeah she was like unscrew unscrew tame dainty little yes. and then put it right back and I was like yes I'm like if you're gonna <laughs> do it that's kind of the high level way right? of like making it happen and I just but it's like it's so that's like the affluence and the richness, like, of course she would. Like, oh. it's so extra that she would have this little, like, snuff box. Exactly. And a necklace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Encrusted with, like, gold jewels. And, yeah. I don't know. Just it, ridiculous. It reminds <laughs> me, like, I was watching the new season of Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. And the queen, I don't know if you've seen it, but season one and two, she's always got her people with her snuff box. It stays yep. there. And every so often she'll do this little thing and it'll come over and it's this beautiful little jewel box and her little spoon. And I'm just like, Shonda, cruel intentions. <laughs> <laughs> you took it. Cruel intentions. Yes. Oh, no, I love that. And I think that's that's funny to be in like that type of like gossip girl type of high school where kids would like have that. I remember this girl that used to, she used to live like downstate and I live in the middle of, of New York. So obviously I'm a little, little bumpkin, but she was came up, she came up from New York and she was like somebody's cousin. And she had like a cigarette, like a metal cigarette holder. Like she would stick her cigarette in the end and it was all like ornate and stuff. And it had this like finger hole where you could like hold it. It was very breakfast at Tiffany's. And I was like, that's so cool. She's so cool. And it's like, first of all, like we're 16 and like smoking and she had on like super skinny, like cigarette pants and like chunky ankle boots. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I want to be her. Um, but it was just, I remember like that whole, it, it fits that, that ostentatiousness fits mm-hmm. her character so well. So Lastly, what do you feel, and I always ask this of every, <clears throat> all of my guests, because sometimes a movie is just a movie, but all of these movies that we love tells a story of something, somebody somewhere that resonates mm-hmm. with somebody. So how do you feel, or what's your opinion on the allegory of this movie, or what do you feel in your opinion this movie is trying to say? <laughs> I feel like it's a bittersweet symphony, like, mm-hmm high school is a bittersweet symphony it's just it's the it's the most precious time and it's also it's also it leaves such a bitter taste in your mouth Mm -hmm. at the same time and it's a symphony because it's all of these moving pieces right yeah and like who's orchestrating it like there's society right there's like your parents there's like your school dynamics that you belong to it's like what you've got going on internally and I just like yeah I just feel like it's just a beautiful like 
picture or puzzle piece of like the high school experience mm-hmm. and both the fantasy and the reality yeah of it it's very Shakespearean mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. very Shakespearean um it's a tragedy and a comedy you know at the same time it's very very Shakespearean but it's one of my favorites and always will be and I love that yay I'm so happy we talked about this movie today yeah there's so much there's there is so much that kind of like kaleidoscopes out of the original story and how it makes you feel especially as a as a young woman watching who's like slowly discovering her sexuality or even as a grown adult who is still, you know, I feel like we struggle with our sexuality for eons, forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if we're ever a hundred percent secure, all of us all the time. And I think that like going back and like watching this and being like, oh, like I did not have my shit together like that when I was 17. And <laughs> surely did not. I surely did not. So it's interesting to kind of see how that still plays with us now. Yeah. But where can the folks find your work? Things that you're working on, things you're working towards, where can they find you? Oh my gosh. I'm my, my digital footprint is so easy to find. So the biggest place if you want to connect with me directly is on Instagram. So it's at Nicole Levent. So my full name that is also my website. So that'll take you to all the things, how to find my acting, my music, uh, my company and community, which is called the Goddess Bath Experience, where I teach women a self-care practice um, to help them manifest and heal. Uh, I also have a podcast. Stay tuned for that. We are, was called Nicks at Night. We are re- launching the rebrand this summer called The Well Nicks. And we're going to have Yay. Mo on Yay. as well. So um, yeah, the website and the Instagram, it'll take you to all, all of the things. So that is the easiest way to connect with your girl. So get at me, bro. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an awesome movie to talk about. And I'm so glad that um, we actually got to touch on sexuality, um, which I think is so important, even in a creative space and especially in something like acting is is you know just feeling safe and secure with yourself while amongst people is really really difficult um and especially if you don't we don't make those environments safe and secure for people that we're working amongst so I'm glad we got to chat about that today yeah thank you so much for the invite and and I I love talking about this movie because I've never actually spoken about like my sexual journey or experience on any platform before so this was like really enjoyable to like share this side of myself and so yeah it's something we don't talk about like you just yeah. said it's just still still with our over sexualized society it's still so taboo to really share I know it's, it's wild it's wild it's I'll so tell wild. that Charles and Charles story at any party trust me I will shame I don't care (laughs) I do not care but folks we will see you next week bye